Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Charter Money Insights. My name is Marco Iacchini, and I'm a cross-asset strategist from our Chief Investment Office team. On this episode of the podcast, we discuss the implications from the latest FOMC meeting and what effects that those might have on financial markets and the economy. Joining me for this conversation today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Steve Bryce, our Chief Investment Officer. Without further ado, let's dive into our conversation. Now, it looks like the Fed is now siding with the markets uh, after raising its inflation and GDP forecasts for the U.S. Um, what did we learn from the FOMC meeting, Steve, and what did the market's reaction tell you? So in terms of the Fed, obviously, they they, they struck a much more confident tone uh, in terms of the outlook. So I don't think their central uh, view has changed that materially. Um, but their, the, the range of outcomes around that central view, I think, has, has, has reduced. So, uh, you know, the downside risks in particular, um, they seem a lot more or a lot less concerned about, so more constructive on that outlook. Uh, they did increase the inflation forecast for this year quite materially, so uh, to 3.4% from 2.4%. So that's, that's really chunky, um, but didn't make significant changes going forward beyond that. So they, they did mention, uh, Powell mentioned that uh, there, is a, there is a risk that inflation could be more sustained than expected, but they do still believe that to be temporary. And that obviously is really, really important when talking about the, the policy outlook. And, and overall, this to us makes a lot of sense. So they've um, brought forward their central expectation for the first rate hike uh, from 2024 to 2023. So uh, that's obviously got a lot of headlines in in the press. Um, To us, that's actually too far away to really worry about um, at this stage. But obviously, it did uh, affect some of the pricing, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. the key thing for us is probably more, okay, what's going to happen on the tapering side? So we've seen significant quantitative easing, obviously around $120 billion of asset purchases every month. So uh, the expectation is that's going to be reduced at some point. And it did, they are talking about tapering now. So uh, that's we believe that's likely to start in Q1 of next year, potential with an announcement at the end of this year, the December meeting. Uh, and, and overall, that's uh, you know pretty much in line with market expectations. So we did see a, obviously markets react to this. So um, equities were down uh, fairly minor, not 0.5 percent. I think that got some headlines because we're not used to our markets falling these days. Uh, but 0.5 percent is is pretty much nothing. Um, bond yields did go up a, a, you know, a decent amount, around seven basis points. Uh, the dollar bounced from key support and gold came off from key resistance. So, um, you know, we did see some market reaction, but I think, uh, you know, we should put this in a bigger context and say, look, this is to be expected given the way that the economy is developing uh, and it doesn't really change the big picture in our view. I understand. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, in fact, um, the, the market's reaction after the latest inflation data and also now with the uh, the, the news coming out of FOMC seem like uh, the market participants were in a way kind of expecting or saw something in line uh, with regards to what we saw out of the meeting. Now, my next question, since we have had, and you mentioned tapering, we've had some episodes in the past, obviously, to refer to with regards to tapering. Um, how do you think this time uh, will play out and what would be the implications for financial assets? Well, I think that 
there are obviously some potential digestion challenges um, with, with this uh, shift um, that we're seeing from the Fed. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of people are making comparisons to 2013, the taper tantrum that we saw there, where we saw a significant risk off environment, although quite short lived, actually. And, and actually, markets did rally, uh, you know, point to point from the taper tantrum through to actually tapering taking place. Um, but that is that is a, a concern that we could see some volatility. I think what the uh, what the Fed has done better this time is it's 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 less of an adjustment than we saw in 2020. Sorry, 2013. Um, so we did see you know quite a big uh, change in expectations there. Whereas now this has been reasonably well signaled. So I think the risk of uh, significant downside for markets is 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 lower this time. I think also if you say you know we're thinking about taking the foot off the accelerator. So we're not taking the foot off the accelerator. We are thinking about it. And we're certainly nowhere near tapping the brakes. So when you pitch that against the big picture um, in terms of improving growth story globally, I mean, yes, the US has been leading that and the, with the UK, um, but Europe is uh, taking part in that and we're seeing other things elsewhere as well. Um, fiscal policy uh, is still supportive in the US and, and likely to become more so in Europe. And obviously, monetary policy is, as I say, is still um, you know, not hitting the brakes. So against this backdrop, our view is that um, equities are still preferred. Um, bond yields are likely to be uh, relatively contained, or you know, so we do see slight upside bias to U.S. Treasury yields, for instance. Um, but we see those as being relatively contained, uh, and we are still uh, bullish on gold, um, despite the sell-off that we saw in response to the the, the Fed. Um, so we're still looking for around 2000 in 12 months time. So not a lot has changed in our, in our asset class views, um, post the Fed. Um, but obviously that short term volatility risk is still there. Okay. And one other aspect that I know the team has written a lot about in, uh, so far in the first half of the year has been obviously that with, uh, within a reflationary environment, uh, usually value equities or value style equities tend to do better. Um, and uh, related sectors as well. Um, has anything changed on this aspect within equities? Do you still prefer the the more value-oriented sectors or what else can you tell us, Steve? So I think it's really important to just to, to, to go back to our original thesis as to why we liked value equities. Um, so it's not just a pure factor of what's happening in markets or, or eco- economies. You know, we saw, uh, we have seen a long-term downtrend uh, multi-year. So going back 10 years-ish um, for uh, value equities to underperform growth equities. So that trend actually is still in place on the long-term picture. That nothing's really changed necessarily on that. But what we saw in 2020 was a sharp down move uh, or acceleration of that trend. So really, when we came out with our view that we thought value would do well in 2021, it was really initially just saying we we expect some sort of convergence back to that long-term downtrend, and that would lead to uh, a very sharp outperformance of value. And that's actually what we've seen so far this year. Um, So we have seen that starting to take place. And that can continue. Um, So we're still not back to that sort of downtrend yet. So we're still significantly below that downtrend. So there's still scope for this. And I think, if anything, the Fed uh, statement just reinforces that that could could still um, continue. 
Uh, you know, we're talking about less scarce growth. So we sort of slightly upward revisions to growth forecasts. Um, you know, that's consistent, we believe, with modestly higher bond yields. And, and, and that's an environment, as you in- indicated, that, that value can continue to do well. Um, so from our perspective, you know, that's still a key theme of ours. Um, it obviously also plays in and is consistent with our, our preference for European equities, where there's a significant value t- tilt. There are other reasons to like Europe, of course, so increased progress on vaccines. Uh, relative fiscal policy actually is likely to turn more positive to Europe in the second half of this year, or certainly the fourth quarter. Uh, and earnings revisions are, are very strong, uh, strongly really up, uh, being upwardly revised. Uh, in Europe as well. So uh, value we still like, uh, still see uh, further room for this to go. Uh, And obviously, as I say, that plays into Europe um, overweight as well. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Switching gears uh, for uh, perhaps our last question today. Uh, You mentioned earlier in the presentation uh, the move in the dollar. Um, Obviously, that has big implications for asset classes and obviously significant implications on on other uh, currency pairs. Um, what can you tell us? Are there any changes here? Yeah, so I, I think from a from a dollar perspective, obviously, uh, you know, there's been some speculation that this could lead to dollar forming a base, right? So uh, I think you know, it, historically, when the Fed's actually raising interest rates, um, it's almost a toss of the coin whether the dollar rallies or it falls. But as people start pricing in interest rates in the next sort of 12, 18 months, then that can be dollar supportive. Uh, we're still suggesting we're a little bit outside of that window. Um, so we still believe that the dollar is likely to, to decline. Uh, we, we still need to get through really key support around just below um, 89 on the dollar index. So it bounced back above uh, 1991 um, following the, the Fed's announcement. Um, but ultimately, we do think that break lower is going to come to pass. Um, so from that perspective, you know, just to give you some levels that uh, we like, um, so euro, we're looking at around 128 in 12 months, so mid next year. Um, sterling, we're looking around 148 against the dollar. Um, Australian dollar around 81 cents. And the Sing dollar, we're looking at around 113. Um, so overall, this uh, we do see this dollar weakness story playing out uh, pretty much against all currencies. The one exception to that could be the Chinese renminbi. That's really quite strong already on a trade weighted basis. Uh, so from and so from that perspective, maybe the Chinese renminbi will benefit less from dollar weakness. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for joining our conversation today. That is all for this episode of Standard Charter Money Insights. If you'd like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Latest Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.